What's our username? It's the two vegans. Right. No animals were harmed in the making of this podcast. Unlucky for some, lucky for the others. This is episode number 13. <laughs> I, I always wanted to kill that woman who says that. Like, what is so exciting about the number 13? Well, it's just a thing. There are buildings here that don't have the 13th floor. You know that. Yeah, my building doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. It has a 12, and then it has a 12A, and then it has a 14. Oh, you actually do a 12A, because uh, I know a lot of places, they just do, they do 12 and 14. Yeah, I've never had a, an unlucky 13th in my life. Wait, take that back. Yeah, please take that back. <laughs> Before something happens to our mics or our <laughs> laptops or our devices. Uh, so on today's episode, we're bringing back the new segment that we did a few episodes ago. I'm going to do a nice little roundup of different and interesting pieces of news that have happened in the last couple of weeks. But before that, Chirag spoke to Valerie last week. Valerie is a vegan activist who was based out of Bangkok. My best friend, who wasn't even a vegan, she was vegetarian because of me. Um, she came across Gary Roski's video somehow on YouTube and she watched it and she insisted that I must watch it too and I sat on it for about a month before I actually watched it. It took me about a week to transition from vegetarian to vegan and uh, in that week I also watched a whole lot of documentaries, Caspiracy, what the hell, you know, you name it. But I was also relieved and kind of really happy to find that millions of people around the world they are actually saying and fighting for the same cause that I was, you know, fighting as a child before the society actually dumbed me down to believe that I was the only one and therefore I, sh you know, I'm powerless and I can't do anything. So it made me feel really empowered. It made me feel really, really strong. And I felt a, a huge sense of hope, you know, when I, when I saw those videos, I was so hopeful that one day we will be able to achieve this. And something that's very, very wrong, we need to fight it. So from that day onwards, I decided I need to do something. I need to spend um, my energy and time into becoming active for the animals. Because when you truly understand what veganism stands for, not about giving up this or that or just giving up on animal products, as much as it is about recognizing that they're individuals and then treating them accordingly. So when you when you make that connection, everything else just becomes super, super easy. Becoming a vegan, it just felt like I came home to my true self. And that just felt really nice. <laughs> that felt amazing. I felt free. It's always fun to talk to other vegans, uh, which we've been doing over the course of many episodes. Um, so this was a completely different perspective also because she's based out of Bangkok. Contrary to what people think, uh, you know, Bangkok has actually seen a decent surge of vegan activism as well, or just awareness in terms of veganism. I mean, you I think you told me as well, right? Like how uh, you had family that visited and was quite pleasantly surprised with the number of vegan options. Yeah, so I had visited Bangkok in 2011, and I was a vegetarian then, and I struggled. Um, and everywhere I'd go, people would be like, we have fruit, because of course, you know, Bangkok is known for its tropical yeah. fruits. I, like, I don't want to eat fruit for every meal. If I remember correctly, I mean, although we visited Bangkok when I was a kid, I mean, we pretty much, like Pizza Hut was our staple. Exactly, which was which is going to be my next point, that one fine day, I found Pizza Hut in the middle of the city center, and I went over there, and they had pineapple on their vegetarian pizza, and I was like, guys, somebody get out these fruits from my bag. You just 
like opened up a debate now. Now, now the pineapple pizza lovers are going to come after you, man. Just no, just no. Uh, recently, my um, some of my family members went to Bangkok and they were posting pictures of this amazing vegan restaurant in the middle of the city. And uh, it's huge. It's massive. It has so many vegan options, and it just does everything. Replicates all of uh, the meat options. Yeah. um and also does a lot of wholesome nutritious food as well so i've i've been looking forward to going to bangkok again one of the interesting things that she had to share with me as well which is not something we see in this region but uh, had to do with the cuba fruits well i'm one of the organizers of a vegan activism organization called anonymous for the voiceless which is also popularly called avs we have a chapter in bangkok so cuba fruits is basically a name that has been given to the street outreach like grassroots kind of activism that we do we use signs and screens so screens that we use like laptops or you know tablets or whatever they have uh, footage going on um which is played on them so we use signs and screens and we stand in a cube formation wearing masks this is the cube aspect and then the other is the outreach aspect so there's some volunteers who'd be out there um uh, for outreach or for talking to people and what we try and do in this is we try to expose uh the behind the scenes of animal agriculture like meat dairy and egg industries but also all the other industries that also exploit animals for different reasons like for industry or animal testing you know cosmetic testing and leather and all all of all these industries so it's really non-violent it's non-interfering it's only people who are interested in the footage and are genuinely curious to know why we're there or why this footage or where is this from or you know they they want to know more about it we start a conversation with them yeah so valerie is an active participant and she does this thing very frequently so um yeah she had she had a lot of insight i think i think you have to this one of the best forms of activism um and uh, it actually engages the people and and the best part about this is that people who are doing the activism activism wear masks mm-hmm. so that their faces are not shown which means that now i don't know if there is any scientific reason to it or not but i'd like to assume that people who are walking by the street they have their laptops open right yeah. the activists and they and on, on the laptops you've got these gory animal slaughter videos and um, their their faces have masks so the person who's walking doesn't associate that with a particular face mm-hmm. or a particular person or a particular gender so the people who are walking by would just now focus on the videos which which i think is great which is a great idea for activism we work with a lot of rules under av so in anonymous for the voiceless is all about being really professional in what we're trying to do so one of the things that is important in this is the aesthetics of the cube and the rules around outreaching so i start with the aesthetics first so we have to stand exactly in a cube formation and we must stand upright when we're in the cube people who are standing in the cube must have a mask people who are uh, you know attending the cube all the volunteers must wear black because that is kind of like the code so we're trying to look as serious as possible so that then people who walk by or the bystanders can take us as seriously as possible right so this is one of the things and same thing is with outreach we don't want people to think that this is a bunch of crazy people uh who want to convert you into something that they believe in right because 
we know from experience that if converting people into veganism was so easy, it would have been done and the world would have been you know, vegan by now. And if converting was your goal, it would not be the right goal to have. It would just not be. So we're about education. And when you're about education, when you're about letting people know about what is truly happening, when you're actually concerned about the bystanders, when you're actually concerned about the people who come and watch, uh, you're concerned that they should, they have a right to know what they don't know. They have a right to not be lied to because when you wake up to the truth that all these industries have lied to us for years and we've just not known about all these things that we're supposed to know, you feel that other people around you should know. So it comes from a place of concern, right? So since it comes from a place of concern and respect, then we don't want to just to increase the number of people that we interact with. We don't want to force anyone into a conversation. So if someone comes to the cube and you know, or is walking by the cube and they stop because obviously the footage is engaging, it's very engaging. So that definitely helps us to the it is the trigger why people stop. We we definitely accept that. It's not very mild, it's the truth and it's the harsh truth. So it's graphic, let's just say that, but it's the truth as well. So it does help people to stop. So if they have it in them to watch it and, you know, if they stand long enough, we, we generally tell our volunteers that unless a person stands there for like 60 or so seconds, like about a minute, don't go towards them and try to have a conversation or don't ask them about how they feel about this footage and don't try to have a dialogue before that because when they're standing there they're trying to take in firstly what is going on and they're trying to understand a few things number one being yes of course what is going on number two being do they really want to stand there and watch it right and we need to allow them that time with themselves to yeah so a lot of people when the different people are different so a lot of people be like they just walk by like oh what is this hey can you help me out can you help me in understand what's going on and a lot of people like very quietly just will keep watching until they feel comfortable to look out and see if someone can help them or someone will just keep watching keep watching keep watching and then one of us will then after after a while an outreacher will approach them and you know try and have that conversation at the right time because this is done out of respect because we imagine that if we were to be educated about something that we don't know about and it's really important I, we don't we don't think that if we if we were just approached by people, you know, it's like how we feel about the salespeople and they approach us, even if their message might be right, we don't want to know the message. So if it's forced upon us, we don't want to know. Even if that might be something we really need to know, we just don't want to know because we're just totally like, why are you trying to tell me this? I didn't ask you. Yeah. So unlike other different types of outreach, like other, you know, events that happen where people do, and I'm not saying that's wrong, say, hey, can you, do you have time for two minutes? Can you stop and take a look? That's also great, but that is just not the approach of Super Truth and Anonymous for the World. Yes, this is really particular about this. And we're really particular about the brand uh, and the things that was Also, I think was a, what was interesting was about, so the reactions that they get uh, to this and to the people that sort of are the recipients of the Cube of Truth in Arden, Bangkok. Uh, 
most people who kind of watch the footage while passing by and realize what it is and they're not in the position or they just not ready to have a conversation about this they don't even stop but majority of people who stop who actually take a look are simply shocked and then when they watch further and if they actually watch the whole thing many of them end up crying on the street last time there was this man who was like yeah so this stuff what you're showing these places wherever this is happening of course they are they are one of cases and they should be reported to the government and the government should shut them down so for about 30 minutes to have that conversation to even be able to convince him that these are not isolated or one off cases these are standard practices this is happening everywhere in the world this is nothing the government is going to do anything about because this is legal it's so funny that this connection is real i was lucky when i went vegan we already had an anonymous for the voiceless chapter in bangkok they were really really small back then and didn't matter i just wanted to do some street activism because when you learn the truth you're like you really want to help the animals you want to really get active about it right if an anonymous for the voiceless chapter does not exist in someone's city it's very very possible for them to actually take on this role and become the organizer and it's very easy to organize it to recruit all you need to do is just get in touch with the international team it really grows with time like back in the day it used to be just four people or three people and now we have volunteers in 20s and 25 and these kind of numbers every week so that was valerie big thank you to her for joining us on this episode and having a chat with us shopping around in the venue over here at sesame which is where we're recording today uh these guys are located up in sunset mall in jumeirah 3 they seem to have a lot of fun options on the menu can i have the chickpea and the beef chutney sandwich please all right all right so while we wait for your sandwich did you see this debate about avocados not being vegan i did because they are so difficult to cultivate naturally all of these crops rely on bees which are placed on the back right it's a lot of cross pollination forced pollination and, and everything and taking right? long distances across yeah. the country what are your thoughts on it especially since the vegan movement has taken a lot of you know it's getting a lot of steam and you're starting to see all of a sudden these articles and topics that hey guess what you know like earth shattering news veganism is actually not helping the environment right and there and you kind of see this thing and uh, i mean i've seen some people share this um active mediators and stuff primarily who kind of are like you know you guys are pontificating at us that what you're doing is helping the environment but for me this this type of news falls in the same category this kind of thing to say hey you know because avocado and because these vegetarian or vegetable oriented plant based diet stuff um isn't helpful to the environment the whole vegan diet is rubbish which i think is like this conflu- this conflation of an issue which i think needs to be separated i i think these people who like i said to you the other day they they're just like lurking behind curtains and waiting for that one opportunity to just jump on be like hey look you vegan you are the cause for this destruction on the planet da 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 look what we found this justifies us us eating meat so i'm not saying that the show whose host sandy toxwig made this point that um a food like avocado and kiwi and cucumbers are not vegan i'm not saying that she is lying or she's just um you know not making any sense we we do understand that there's no such thing as 100% vegan mm-hmm. 
uh, we do understand that certain kind of farming that is not suitable in certain countries and hence there is water use required for like in I, I can't if I'm eating avocados in Dubai in a desert then obviously there's nothing natural about it yeah. but then that then brings me down to the point where a lot of things that we do today in this life such as use our cell phones is not natural it's not yeah. what human beings are supposed to do which kills more bees than avocado plantation would so if you're a meat eating cell phone user I don't think this should be an opportunity for you to jump on the vegans maybe you should think this through yeah we we understand these are facts I mean the best the best thing to do in terms of sustainability now and not vegan alone is um, that you need to eat what grows locally instead of because then again, if you're transporting, vehicles are being used, there's air pollution, um, packaging, all these things happen as well. Um, you know, so it's best to like shop in your organic local farmers markets in your areas, but that's not happening, right? Um, however, that still doesn't justify meat. So, and, I, and I think this is where the conflation of issues starts to happen. So the point being made, of course, is that these fruits, vegetables, they're being branded as not vegan because they're not sustainable, because they involve some level of cruelty. They're, I mean, in this particular case, for example, um, the conversations about bees and the fact that, you know, this forced pollination needs to happen across like, because avocados are actually not very easy to grow. There's all history behind the Haas avocado, which by itself, by the way, is not a natural occurring avocado, right? And it's a modified version of the avocado that happened many many years ago uh so already there's like a lot of <laughs> you know we're not we're not living in exactly a pure pure world anyway this isn't the right issue this isn't the, the, the base of the argument's a little flawed for me personally you know the reason that some things are vegan and not vegan is because you know we are absolutely what are now getting called the subcategory of ethical vegans right we are against the killing of animals we're also against cruelty Right, And that is the guiding principle for us in a lot of cases where we don't want to eat meat. It's also having an insane um, effect on the environment, but we don't want to eat meat because we don't think that you know, we're superior and we get to eat whatever the hell we want. We think that animals, sentient beings that they are, their life shouldn't be taken. It's become very cruel, but life shouldn't be taken, period. I don't think... I, I mean, for all of us, and I've been asked this question as well in the past, like if we had a sustainable farm next door that was killing only like... I don't know, 10 animals in a month or some small number that wasn't factory, factory level slaughter, would I be okay with it? My answer is still no. Like I, I, I would not be okay with that. So I think that that's the guiding principle. And so if that's the guiding principle and this argument about the environment, to me personally, it's a secondary argument to say, okay, we also should look at sustainability. Of course we should. And I care about the environment. I, you know, we've had our discussion about plastic and everything else. So of course we want to have that discussion and we should. I think avocados, by definition... Yeah, they're they're plant they're part of the plant-based diet. Can we get sustainable avocados? Can I make sure that I pick organic avocados and avocados that don't involve cruelty or don't involve forced pollinations and keeping bees in captivity? Yes, that will be my goal. But yeah, avocados do do get to be classified as a plant-based diet. They don't involve killing an animal. You know what's the most interesting part of this entire video? Sandy Toxvig quoting her. Lots and lots of vegan things are actually not strictly vegan right. is what she said she yeah. did not say they're not, not vegan, vegan. Yeah. she just said they're not strictly vegan nobody saw that people just jumped well remember that we do live in this era where the headline is all that matters yes of course and the and and beyond that if we're really going to go beyond the headline it's the first line maybe the first paragraph and hence we have to do episodes to keep you updated <laughs> on the real news out there i just want to say one last thing here and i just want to actually Put it out there to people who don't know the definition, the actual real definition of veganism by the books. Mm -hmm. So I'm just going to read that. 
and I hope that people do understand it. Veganism is a way of living which seeks to exclude as far as is possible and practicable all forms of exploitation of and cruelty to animals for food, clothing or any other purpose. Yeah. If anybody tells you they are 100% vegan and they do not have any kind of a footprint or part in the cruelty, they are wrong. Or they are living in some remote village in a, a disconnected country. We live in this very, very consumer era where today in Dubai we can find vegetables from all over the world. Any person that understands even the simplest bit of logic understands that this stuff was not grown yesterday, it wasn't plucked a few days ago, it has been chilled, frozen or something and transported halfway across the world. Uh, I mean, you know, tie this into this other uh, piece of news that was making the rounds this week. It essentially says we have about 12 years to make some serious dietary choices or you know, we would reach the point of no return, essentially. So the UN has come out and made a landmark judgment that the research that they've held has warned this increase in temperature will lead to overheating, flooding, and other extreme weather conditions that are going to have massive impact on humanity. And they also mentioned that um, some of the changes needed to slow the temperature rise are being implemented, but they would still need to accelerate those changes. So we have to act yesterday. Yeah, and I think I think we should point out as well that um, this was a report that was initiated off of the United Nations, an intergovernment panel. Um, there were 91 authors involved, some 6,000 scientific sources. So it, it isn't. This isn't just some somebody's passing thought in a in a newspaper. Uh, so I'm probably not the best or fair comparison between the previous piece of news and this one directly. Uh, but the idea is that um, you know their their concept or their their core argument with regards to that is, you know, 12 years, by the way, considering where we are, there's not enough time to reverse <laughs> many of the changes. So it has to, these changes have to be extremely, extremely drastic. You know, people tend to miss out on the fact that adopting a vegan diet and stuff can actually have a significant impact. I can just say I'm, I'm super glad I don't have children and they will not see the shit that is going to happen in the world. So the other piece of news that uh, also did around, so although this was uh, a little over a week ago, was that uh, Dove came out and said that they were banning animal testing. Unilever has actually called for a global ban on animal testing, yet they continue testing in China. How is this a global ban? The, the problem is with a lot of this news is that they sound great in the headline, but then it's always about like drilling down and figuring out really what what's really involved here. And that's a much more layered conversation. I mean, we have the whole China angle, right? Which is something that, because China's regulations don't allow for it. But I mean, you know, I, I think one of the other things that I also question in this whole story is like, Unilever is a huge company, it's a huge corporation, multiple, multiple global brands. Why is it only Dove? Yeah, why not Sunsilk and why not all the other cosmetics? Yeah, I, I would have been fine if Unilever said, hey, you know, in the next two years, we will ban it across all of our brands. I mean, I, I understand as well these some of these global conglomerates. I mean, this I think probably it's something probably that Dove pushed, or the organization of Dove pushed for. Of course, but I think that Dove sales were probably going down, and that's why they decided that they should just do this. We've had this discussion as well, right? At the end of the day, all of this stuff is demand and supply, right? And you will see big brands like this continue to show these kind of commitments, not necessarily always based on great virtue. But just because people are reacting strongly and in large numbers. For me at the moment, we, we are still in that transition era where I'll take the change. Provided it's real, I'll take the change. Yeah, of course. I mean, it's, it's obviously good news for the animals that they will no longer be tested, even if, it's for, if, even if it's for that one particular brand. But would I trust Unilever to be an ethical company? No. So I do feel um, 
I do feel skeptical about mm. it. It's coming from a giant corporation that's ultimate, whose ultimate aim is to usually just make money. But you know, Nestle was taking in like 200 million gallons of water from a particular water body um, near Michigan. Yeah. But the residents of that state or that little city or town did not have clean water. So I, I, I wouldn't trust a giant corporation. However, I do realize the volume that they bring in and the kind of um, change that they'll bring on a massive level. So that, that helps the animals eventually. However, they've, they've chosen to get the PETA accreditation and not the Leaping Bunny, which is usually the, the sign for seeing whether the product is vegan and cruelty free. Unilever has given a statement on that saying in terms of why PETA, it's because it's the largest animal rights organization in the world, more than 6.5 million members and supporters. That piece of information does nothing to answer this question. They went on to saying that PETA has recognized Unilever's ongoing work on alternatives to animal testing and its commitment to promoting their adoption worldwide. It will now list Unilever as a company working for regulatory change, which indicates that Unilever conducts no tests on animals unless specifically required by law. Yeah, but this is this is the this is the wording. This is the PR wording that tells you that we're not going to talk about certain countries where legislatively they are compelled to do that because we are still going to continue doing business. I don't know what the solution to that is because it's extremely political and legislative and this thing within a certain scope or within a certain country. As and as you mentioned as well, you know, for a company like Unilever you know, which has the kind of PR that they do, um, you know, this becomes a quite a, this is something that, that pushes a lot of eyeballs towards such a campaign. And obviously we all know that like come January 2019, um, you know, all of Dove's marketing and Dove's advertisements will be, make this a focal point. The image that they're trying to portray is that they care about animals. They think that animal testing is absolutely unnecessary and they still go ahead and do it in China because that's where the profit is. You have the weight in China to say that I am withdrawing all my products from here until you don't change the law. And if three or four giants do that, China will be under pressure to change the regulation. Another pleasant news that we received is that uh, there was a vegan week in the Great British Bake Off show, uh, I think about a month ago. That created quite a furore in the market. <laughs> the vegans were like super excited and the non-vegans were like super skeptical. Skeptical? There was so much anger. I don't know what that was about. You know, like we, we have seen, um, I mean, a lot of these like um, reality cooking shows and chef-based shows and all of the stuff. Um, and they're occasionally doing like these like weeks around an ingredient. Like some, they've done vegetarian weeks and fish weeks and all sorts of things like that. So um, I don't understand why vegan dessert week was an issue but it really became one right why aren't these people angry about vegetarian themes but they're so angry about vegan like what what changes i don't know i think they they look at us as being more radical and therefore like if you're giving you're legitimizing a radical diet option maybe i don't know what that was i think like i'm i'm making uh i'm making a meringue or whatever without egg white a pudding out, out of plant-based milk which tastes exactly like your regular pudding like, i would be excited to see that you know like this would help people and, who are transitioning and mind you i mean just based on so many conversations i've had with so many people over over the last few months vegan desserts are a problem uh, i've heard this over and over again that like yeah we still can't find the right replacements for a good vegan dessert good vegan cakes and stuff like that the, it's not like there aren't any dessert options or desert places that do ve- that cater to vegan desserts, but they, the options are very limited, right? And people are still trying to discover the right way to do a cheesecake and the right way to do uh, this thing without, yeah, and like still keeping it a little bit natural and not overly processed stuff, right? Well, the fun part about this news is that the judges love the food and um, in several instances, 
going as far as describing it as poetry and saying she could hardly believe it was vegan as it was so tasty. So the judges are not biased there. They're open-minded and happy. Can I ask you a question here, right? Do you think that like a lot of this outrage would potentially not even entirely exist if a lot of these people were made to eat this and not told it was a vegan cake or a vegan burger or a vegan something sometimes? You, you think they would still complain? Uh, no, they wouldn't at all. Yeah. In fact, somebody the other day told me that they tried the Beyond Burger and they said if, if, if they weren't told that it was, not, it was not beef, they wouldn't have found out. The second you, that person told them it was, it was vegan, they're like, oh, but the texture is a bit and the... I feel like we, we keep hearing that. We keep hearing this like, no, you know, it's, it's actually pretty good. But there was this slight little aftertaste, or I can taste this as something like a little bad thing. A lot of times, like, it's this tag. It's the tag is the problem. And like you said, if you've got, like, these reality TV chefs and, and all these aspiring chefs, anyway, that are making vegan desserts that, if you didn't tell them, didn't know it was vegan, that's a good sign, man. There's, there was this one contestant on the show who, called John who said um, he would prefer a kebab week and he eats animals at every meal over a vegan week. <laughs> It's funny because kebab-loving John didn't fare so well. His pastry was described as gluey, rubbery, and not wonderfully attractive. And it's just hilarious. Like I, you, you, you can just see that you know because he was he already has he had his notions. Mm. And when you cook, you got to cook with all your you know. When I have a bad day and I'm cooking, the food turns out terrible. Mm. You know, it just it just depicts in my food. And whenever I'm having, I'm happy. I'm drinking a glass of wine and I'm just chilling and listening to nice music and cooking. My food turns out exceptional. I think it was one of those... I don't know if it's a mood thing or a wine thing. It sounds like a wine thing to me. Well, well they should have given <laughs> kebab-loving John some uh, wine then. Didn't you also find it interesting that somebody reacted to Vegan Week by saying, excuse me, can I have a kebab week? I want to eat kebabs all day. In a reality show where you're being judged about vegan desserts, by the way, nobody was forcing you to change your main course. No. <laughs> but you have to go out right and be like, here's my placard. Because if tomorrow you are a chef at a restaurant and you have vegan customers, what are you going to tell them? Sorry, I just love weird the kebab-loving restaurant. Please leave. <laughs> People are funny. So based on the reaction that the Great British Bake Off Vegan Week got, Amazon UK actually launched a vegan baking store. Ooh. And uh, now they're putting out all these uh, vegan baking products. And, th and they, they did some survey and they did some studies and things like that. And they, f and they found out that the sales for these plant-based baking goods have increased amongst these shoppers by 100%. And um, they've, they've mentioned that the co coconut butter of a particular brand has risen by 215% and egg replacer by 238%. Uh, so haters can hate, yeah. <laughs> meanwhile vegans can bake. <laughs> Let's move on to what the celebrities around are doing. <laughs> I love this segment. We have to have. We have to make sure we talk about the celebrities as as much as we can. Of course. So closer home, Virat Kohli, the super duper duper hot cricketer. For me, that's his claim to fame. No, no, no. <laughs> Indians will kill me. Of course, he's a great athlete and a great cricketer. He has now turned plant-based, yeah. whereas the headlines read he has turned vegan. Kohli uh, put out a statement last week saying that he has now moved to a fully plant-based diet and that has made him uh, focus on his game much better, has given him the right strength to play his game. What are your thoughts on it, Chirag? He's been doing it, I think, for a couple of months, but he disclosed it ahead of um, a new tournament. Uh, his wife, who is a fairly popular Bollywood actress as well, also around the same time has given up meat, so she's on a vegetarian diet now, which is also part of this conversation, and apparently they, they sort of made that decision together to give up meat. Um, and, and it's also funny because, I mean, I've obviously followed his career for some time. You know, he was sort of sharing, like, his parents' reaction to when he started playing cricket. 
and uh, his friends reaction they, i mean he comes from a punjabi family right like cuz he says it as, as a joke right but I, i mean he has mentioned that more than once in interviews that like his parents had his parents biggest issue about him starting to play cricket was uh, how will you eat all the fatty foods that we've been like you know that we want to eat and enjoy and now you'll be sitting in a corner eating um and then now he's taken that even a step further and given up meat altogether and in fact as well i mean he's gone plant based entirely yeah and he was he was pretty chubby when he had entered the yeah. cricket scene yeah. and yeah, i, I like him stuff. more then because now his face is like really lean and fit but and i just feel like he's out of league now yeah, earlier he felt like okay he's still in my league you know yeah. <laughs> it it's funny because i read this news on one of these indian news websites yeah. and the first comment was first four or five comments were from punjabi saying that how is he going to eat the delicious tangri kebab or butter chicken <laughs> like is that your only concern <laughs> like the guy plays for your country you know yeah. times of slack you and he's saying that he's seeing results of it right so more power to him and the more he advocates for it yeah so pamela anderson another hot vegan dum 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 so now so now we've got three vegans on board we've got virat kohli pamela anderson and hetal bhatia um so <laughs> i have to commend you for saying that with a really straight face so pamela anderson has now come out and urged gordon ramsay to ditch foie gras mm-hmm. she has worked in collaboration with our favorite charity peter and she said that the restaurant uh, could easily replace the traditional dish with a vegan foie gras oh do you see it do you see it not foie gras but foie gras Oh cool. Yeah. <laughs> Throughout November. <laughs> so quoting her she said, "I'm sure that your restaurant makes a great effort to create a beautiful dining experience, but foie gras is nothing more than a diseased liver produced in a real life health kitchen." <laughs> uh for people who do not know, foie gras is basically duck liver and ducks and geese are actually force fed with metal pipes down their throats so that they can fatten them up and serve them on a plate only to cost you your own kidney um only to cost you shit loads of money um for eating that crap interestingly foie gras is banned in UK and over a dozen other countries and two thirds of the british public supports the ban on its sale Well, I guess well done to Pamela Anderson to come out and make such bold statements and I can't wait to see Gordon Ramsay's reaction to this. Have you seen the gif of Gordon Ramsay? What are you? I'm an idiot sandwich. What are you? I'm an idiot sandwich. <laughs> that Asian lady with two slices of bread. <laughs> I love that. And uh for our teeny tiny celebrities who are not as popular as um, Pamela Anderson, the guys who run Bosch. Yeah. the super amazing recipe website have now launched two books because their first book was a completely smashing hit. Oh that's pretty interesting I, I didn't actually I didn't but hey good stuff Bosh keep uh-huh. at it man Yeah the guys are cute <laughs> Okay look meat boss says cutting out meat is not the answer to climate crisis his opinion flies in the face of the century search <laughs> There's another celebrity Cara Corbett who was Uh, she has overcome alcohol and crystal meth addictions to become a world class athlete she's a runner and she hit uh, 100000 miles yeah so that's a quick round up of different pieces of news a special thanks to valerie for joining us on the episode as well and a special thanks to sesame for hosting us they've been very kind yeah they were they were very sweet about this um they made sure they didn't make any cutlery noise i think you you were you were talking about something when your sandwich actually arrived and she was like so carefully like placing it <laughs> it's very nice i actually wanted to um, speak about this one uh, fan mail we got ooh we almost forgot about that yeah we have a fat mail so uh, a shout out to stephanie who dropped us an amazing review 
Um, this was after our episode. This was after episode 11, where we talked about uh, feeding pets and the whole debate around that. Um, so she was really sweet about, hey, first of all, thank you for giving us a five-star review. Really appreciate that. Uh, but also, I mean, she left us a comment based on our episode number 11, where we talked about what vegans feed their pets, and which is quite a quite an interesting debate point. So thank you for your comments on that as well. Yeah, so please continue giving us your reviews and your comments. We want to know from you. Yeah, so you can leave us a comment by visiting amaya.fm slash 2 vegans slash 13 for this episode. Um, or leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Yeah, please let us know how awesome we are. It's been a while since Stephanie messaged. That's it from us from this episode, and we'll see you very, very soon. Bye. Bye. Ciao. Keep on keeping on. You know the t- when you watch a TV. When I watch a TV. <laughs> What's going on when you really watch TV? <laughs> <laughs> it's the, it's the thirteenth. I think that's what it is. <laughs>